1: I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to Season 11 of the Parenting Aces Podcast, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and I've got Todd Whittem back with me this week to talk about a couple really interesting topics. We are going to touch on old school versus new school coaching, or I would say as Todd refers to it, proper school versus new school coaching. And we're also going to talk about uh, ratings and rankings and how to use them in the overall tennis development of your child. So um, we have a really good conversation ahead for you. I hope you find it useful as you continue navigating this crazy world of junior and college tennis. Before I bring Todd on, just a quick reminder, if you haven't already, we would love for you to become a premium member of Parenting Aces. There are lots of benefits that come with that, but most notably, you do get two one-hour consultations with me over the course of the year, and I think a lot of the parents are finding those helpful, Um, so hopefully you will too. But if you want more information, just go to ParentingAces.com and click on the Join button in the top right, and you'll see the options available to you. Also, if you are not a subscriber for our weekly e-newsletter, click on that link on our website as well, and it's free and just kind of keeps you up to date on what's going on in the Parenting Aces world. So with that, sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Coach Todd Whittem. Hey, Todd, welcome back. It's uh, been, what, I don't know, a few weeks since you were here, but we felt the need to have another conversation because there's just a lot going on in the world of junior and college tennis right now.
0: Well, absolutely. We're talking during the NCAA tournament. Huh? Yeah. So that's exciting.
1: Yeah. And a lot I of mean, good tennis. Let's give a little shout out to Ronnie Homan of LSU, who is a Todd Whittem player. You have been working with Ronnie for how many years now?
0: Well, he lived with me full time at 14 years old. I started working with him on and off during some breaks from school. Uh when he was 12 and he is turning 21 in August.
1: Wow. And he is an all-American. So congratulations to you. Congratulations to Ronnie and his parents. I know it's been a team effort there, but um he had a great run this year at the individual tournament. So that's exciting.
0: Yeah. Well, well, thanks. Yeah. I uh I trained him pretty hard for the week leading up to that tournament as well as Pierre. So I, you know, I think we did a, a pretty good job, you know, as much as we could do in a week and and he played some great tennis. So we're, we're excited that he got the All-American status, which is the highest status you can get in college tennis. So that's great.
1: Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, so speaking of Pierre, the subject matter for the first part of our conversation is new school versus old school in terms of tennis coaching. And I mean, you guys are the example of incorporating old school teaching into a newer school kind of atmosphere because you're not old school. I mean, you're old school in your (laughs) mindset and your approach, but you're a young guy. So talk to us a little bit about when we say old school versus new school coaching, what does that mean?
0: Well, that's a good question. You know, I do not like the term old school. I'll tell you that right now. To me, and and I've written this on some some, uh, social media posts, I consider it proper schooling, <laughs> right? Not Love old it. school,
1: yeah,
0: right? And so, you know, I think that, you know, students need to be showing up and they need to be accountable and they need to be working hard and they need to be respectful. And they have to understand that the coach is there to help them. And, you know, if they're not doing things properly, then, you know, hey, they may pay the price a little bit, you know, that that's, you know, welcome to life.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and from the coach's side, though, Todd, this is where like I think we can really dig deep into this because there are a lot of coaches out there that view their job as this player is my responsibility for the hour two hours I have them on court with me. And then once they leave my responsibility for that player is finished. I I don't owe them anything. They don't owe me anything. You know, they've paid for my time. I've given them my expertise and now we're done until the next time I see them on court. But my understanding of proper school teaching, as you call it, is that that coach's responsibility doesn't stop when the player steps off the court, when that paid hour hour and a half is over in your mind proper coaching extends that responsibility beyond just the time on court together am I stating that correctly
0: yeah I, you know there's there's many different levels of tennis right so if we're taking say my arena where I'm trying to send my students to very elite colleges or maybe a professional tennis career you know I'm heavily involved in their in their life way beyond the tennis. It may be, you know, emotionally, maybe parenting, you know, the, the the physical side, you know, it's not just, they're coming to train for an hour, a couple hours a day or some lessons or some groups. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm talking to them and trying to help them out during tournaments, you know, whether I'm there or not, I mean, you know, heavily, heavily involved in their, in their life in general, not just
1: the hitting of the tennis ball. Right. Right. And Yet, we still have coaches out there and, you know, listen, there, as you said, it depends on the level because if, if the player's goal is to be a good recreational player, then the coach's involvement may not need to extend beyond the lesson time. But if the player's goal is to become an elite player, whether that means playing in college or playing professionally, then it's really difficult as a coach to help a player reach that elite level when you're only invested in them when you're face to face with them on the tennis court.
0: Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. I mean, you know, whether, you know, they're having issues off the court, boyfriend, girlfriend issues, maybe, you know, having issues with mom or dad or, you know, maybe, you know, they fell behind in school or they're having trouble with their, you know, their teachers or their schooling or whatever it is all these things affect their tennis whether it's positive or negative so mm-hmm. you as, as a coach you know you always have to understand what's going on in their life and to be able to really help help them to the fullest of of your knowledge
1: right and so what are you seeing out there among your coaching peers that made you start thinking about this and and thinking about new school coaching versus proper coaching
0: well, good question. You, 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 you went right after it, huh? I mean, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing, right? And we all know this. Everybody wants to make money, right? Masses of kids yeah. equals more money, money, money. I want to make money. I got to make money for the club. We need a certain amount of kids or the Academy or whatever it is in, in, in my small little program, right. And being able to you know pay my coaches, which I think are fantastic and, and all of that. I believe, and I think this is very important, that if you do things right, then you'll be fine. If you don't do things right or well, then you may have have some tough times or you may struggle. Right. And so, you know, I mean, in my business, it's gotten better and better every year. I've been doing it 12 years now. Um, I enjoy going to the courts. I'm training kids that I want to train, right, and kids that I want in my system. You know, they're, they're hardworking, they have good attitudes, you know, they're a joy to be with all day long. Their parents understand their parents are on board and it's a good situation for us to develop, you know, a a great young man or young woman. Right. So, so that's fun because that, that's an ideal situation for us as coaches, but that's how I've made it. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and, and so not everyone has, that ability because they might not be working for themselves, right? It's, it's my business. Yeah. You know, they may be working for a club or an academy or maybe even a federation. Um, but I believe that if you do things well and you do things properly, things will work out and they'll and they'll keep getting better and better. And that's been true for my system ever since I started with a bucket of balls in my trunk 12 years ago with a, with a kid that was a senior in high school. Yeah. That's how I started, right? And so you know, that that's what I believe. But, you know, in in, in terms of, you know, they, everybody wants to make money. It's a business. People want to make money. Right. Which is which is fine. I mean, let's of let's
1: just be of honest here. Like we get it that yeah. coaches mm-hmm. have families to support and have expenses that they have to meet. So right. wanting to make money is not a bad thing. It's right. just he, how you go about it.
0: Well, how you go about it? And I believe that if you give a great service, you can, you can, you can earn a very nice living, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, that's what I believe. So for me, it was never about chasing the money. I could have chased a lot more money or I could have not said to students, hey, listen, this is not an arena for you. I could have said, here, stay in here. You know, it's OK. You're doing OK. And, you know, you're, it's all going to work out and all this. No, no, that, that's just not how we are. Right. Basically, you know, the philosophy from when I was a six year old kid with Pierre and his partner was we're either going to do it right or we're not going to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's how it was. And that's how I still have it in my system. If I feel like we're not doing things right or that student is not doing things, you know, to the best of their ability, they're going to hear about it. And if they don't really step up to the plate or make a change or an adjustment or whatever, you know what, I'm not sure I want to spend five hours a day every single day with that particular student for a certain amount of years. But many coaches, they're not thinking this like, no way, no, no way. But that's how I am. Right. I want to enjoy that student. I want to enjoy the parents. They understand what's going on. They trust us a hundred percent in developing their child or children. And we're, and we're doing it to the best of our knowledge. But, and I'll tell you, if you don't have that 100% trust from the parents, it's not going to work out. And, 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 and that, and that's just the reality of it. But that's how I go about running my business for, for the parents or even the coaches that are listening to this. I believe if you, you know, do an amazing job, you go over and above and, and you give a great service, then the money will take care of itself.
1: Right. Right. Which is a great segue into the second part of our conversation, but I'm not ready to go there yet. So we're going to stay here for a few more minutes. Um, and, And one thing that you kind of started to say, but didn't dig into, which I want to dig into is this whole idea of coaches not being honest with players and the player's parents about the work effort that's happening, the passion that's evident or not evident, the willingness to put in the time. And I, I recently posted something on Facebook and, and I think I posted in our parents only group um, about the fact that, first of all, parents need to understand what goes into achieving a high level in whatever it is, but for purposes of this podcast, to achieve a high level in tennis, parents need to understand what goes into achieving that high level. On top of that, once the parents understand, they have to work with the coach to help communicate that to the player, him or herself, so that the player understands what has to be done in order to achieve their dreams and goals. And if either of those things are missing, it's very difficult for a player to reach the highest levels of the game. And, I think there are coaches out there and when you refer to new coaching I'm I'm kind of thinking this is what you're what's going through your mind is there are coaches out there that either don't know what it takes to achieve the highest levels or they know but they're not willing to call out their players when the players don't give the effort necessary to achieve the goals that the player has set. So that's problematic when as a parent, I'm continuing to pay you as a coach to help my child get better and achieve his or her dreams and goals. But you, the coach aren't honest with me or honest with my kid in saying, Hey, you know, it doesn't matter how much money you pay me. If your kid's not going to put the work in, we're not getting there.
0: Right. Well, as a coach, why are you coaching? What are the reasons why you, this is your profession, right? Mm -hmm. I got into coaching tennis, obviously, because I felt like I could share a lot of good knowledge and train students and really help them better their lives. Right, whether it's on the court or off the court, I have discussions with my, especially with my full-time students, all the time. It may be something tennis-related, it may be something academic, it may be something you know, maybe they're having you know pr- problems with their boyfriend, girlfriend, or parents, or whatever it is. I'm here to help them, hmm. right? So the coaching goes beyond tennis. You're right? a guide. And I want them.
1: You're a guide, not just a yeah. tennis
0: teacher. Yeah, and that's what my coaches were for me, right? right. And so that's what I know. That's how I was brought up. So now it's maybe the next generation, right? Pierre was a fatherhood figure to me, right? Whatever he said, I did. Mm. Right. It was there was no questioning it. It was, this is what's best for Todd or what I need done. And you're gonna do it. And I knew that he had the best interest in me, you know, for for my tennis or my life. And my parents, and especially my mom. Was on board one hundred percent, trusting him to guide me in any which way he could to the best of his knowledge. That's right. why I do what I do on a daily basis. So that's yeah. why I want. I'm looking for a particular student for for myself and for my staff to spend five hours, four and a half, five hours a day, maybe even some private time on top of that. That's what we want. That's how we know that we can really help students progress and and maybe go to a certain type of college and then also learn tremendous skills that they'll apply to their life after college, right? After, you know, say college tennis or maybe after a pro career because, mm-hmm. hey, tennis is going to end at a certain point, yep. right? My pro career ended at 26. You know, maybe maybe a, a college player has done it, say, 22, you know, wh- or when whenever they stop and then there's life after tennis. So, you know, when I start going back, And thinking about all the skills that I learned from the clubs that Pierre was at or, you know, Pierre's partner that was training me. These skills you don't learn in a classroom, but you have to have a great coach that can actually teach it and understand it and and, and someone that is really, really interested in teaching your child and teaching, you know, in general.
1: One thing you just mentioned, Todd, that that I want to go back to is from the parent side, trusting the coach and believing that the coach has your child's best interests at the forefront. And I just had um, a conversation with a parent asking, should the parent stay at the drills and at the lessons? Should they be courtside for every time the, the child is having a lesson? And I said, you know, there are a couple messages you send when you sit there all, you know, for the two hours or whatever it is, every time. One, you're sending a message to the coach that you don't have trust in what they're doing and in their ability to look out for the interests of your child during that time period. But two, you're sending a message to your child that they are not capable of taking ownership and managing their tennis. And listen, I was guilty of that. I I can't even tell you how many hundreds of hours I spent sitting courtside at drills and lessons because I didn't have faith 100% in the coaches. But once I finally understood what message I was sending, not just to the coach, but also to my child, I stopped. And I think having that trust, listen, trust has to be earned. I mean, I get that. And when you're starting with a new player from your side, Todd, or from the parent side, when you're putting your child with a new coach, I mean, yeah, you're going to stick around at the beginning and make sure things are going as expected. But once you have that Confidence that the coach is who they say they are, and that they're going to do the things that they said they were going to do, then you have to step back and let the coach and the player form that relationship and show them that you have trust in what they're doing.
0: Yeah, I I agree one hundred percent. You know, it's funny. I gave uh, an hour and a half lesson this morning to uh, a, a young girl who was nine years old. who was nine years old, and you know, he was a very high level nhL hockey star the, the dad. father the yeah. dad and he asked me you know do you mind if parents watch you know it doesn't bother me one bit i'm not changing how i'm teaching one bit you know what you see is what you're gonna get um you know hopefully it doesn't affect you know the the, the child but you know to have a parent come and watch a little bit you know it doesn't bother me at all and i can tell you a funny story because i've been seeing my mom a lot because my son has been Playing some baseball, and so the team has been doing pretty well. And so, she, you know, she's been watching the games with me, and she's like, "I used to come to all your lessons, Todd." And I'm like, "Yeah, no, yeah." <laughs> and, you, and but, but you know, why she used to come to all my lessons? Why is because she could pick up balls and keep that lesson going to get her money's worth to have more reps and more time for Todd. Yeah, but she didn't say she didn't say a word, right? right? She obviously, you know, if we don't want anyone interrupting us or anything, but. You know, it it was it was for that reason, but there was a hundred percent trust in hey, you know, however good Todd, you know, wants to wants to get, these are the guys, and I see these kids, how they're training, I see what's being developed, and do it. And that was it.
1: Well, and yeah, I guess I should clarify there is a difference in sitting because you enjoy watching and you just right. are there absorbing versus inserting your opinion or interrupting the lesson or the drills or fidgeting and making faces and cringing and doing all these yeah. things that send a different message, not only to your child, but also to the coach. So well,
0: I, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, let me interrupt just for yeah. a second. No, there's also you know, that can affect the child, obviously, right? right. You know, when, when they miss a forehand and they look at their mom or their dad and they're like, oh my gosh, and then, right? And all this stuff going on, okay. That's going to affect your child, right? And they're not going to focus on the lesson. They're focused on, you know, mom and dad and how upset they are that I just missed the ball, yeah. right? You have that, but then you also have where the coach is paying more attention to the parents. Yes. That bothers me. Right. Right. Because this is not a show for the parents. This is a lesson for the child. And parents need to be very aware about this. We know who's paying us for the lesson, (laughs) but it's the child's lesson. Right. Right. And the parents should, you know, they could maybe learn and see what's being worked on and all that is, is fine and dandy, but this is not a show for the parents. Right. And it's,
1: you know, yes. And it is okay to be there. From time to time. I I don't think it's healthy for anybody, for a parent to be at every single lesson, every single drill session. Um, there needs That's to be tough. some separation. And, yeah. you know, there, again, there are times where absolutely a parent's presence is needed and, you know, then you should be there. But um, as a general rule, once that trust is established between the parent and the coach and the coach and the player, then I think, you know, it's time for the parent to take a step back and send them the very clear message, by the way, to the child, hey, tennis is your thing. I'm here to facilitate, but It's on you to put the work in. It's on you to develop your passion, to set goals, to, you know, hold yourself accountable and to put the necessary pieces together to achieve what you say you want to achieve. And, you know, I'm here to drive you and to pay for it and to arrange the hotels when we go to tournaments. But, you know, it's tennis belongs to you, my child. So... um, I'm here when you need me, but I don't need to, you know, be at every single lesson, every single drill group. And I think that, you know, we're seeing a lot more of that than we used to see where the parents just, they're, they're hanging out and they're, you know, they're not hanging out to socialize with other parents and, you know, chit chat and whatever they're hanging out and like are laser focused on what's happening on the court
0: they're protecting the investment. Yes. Right. And that's ultimately going to hurt it's going to hurt that that child's development. Um but you know, hey, I mean if if a parent is going to be helicoptering around all day long that that's just not healthy, right? And 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 then you know, the 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 student and the coach, right? They need to, you know, they need to have that bond and they need For to sure. trust one another and they need to be focused on each other and what the student needs. And you and many times if 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 a parent is helicoptering around or whatever, that student cannot focus well enough on the information being provided from that coach if there's outside distractions.
1: For sure. For sure. So I, I guess I'm I'm backpedaling a little bit. And I want to say that, you know, I'm not saying 100% don't ever sit and watch your kids' lessons. No, right. I'm saying understand the potential message that you're sending to the player and the coach, understand why you're watching the lesson and, you know, maybe think about, do I need to be here or, you know, would my child be better served if I dropped them off and, you know, even go sit in another place in the facility so that my child's not constantly looking over the shoulder at me. Um, And, and certainly, again, there are times where parents need to be present, need to see what's going on. For example, I will say there, I remember times where, you know, after tournament, where my kid didn't behave so well on court at a tournament. And I would have the conversation with his coach after, and, you know, I would want to come, see him in action at drills and see if that same behavior was rearing its ugly head on the practice court, you know, and how the coach was handling it, if the coach was handling it. And, you know, that was an important time for me to be around. But um, in general, I would say once that trust is established, that relationship is solidified, parents do yourself a favor, give yourself a break while your kid is training, go do something pleasurable for you. And every now and then stay and watch for a little bit, but um, give your child that space to form the relationship and build the relationship and give the coach the space to do that as well.
0: Yeah, no no doubt about it. You know, I have stuff going through my head as I'm listening to you <laughs> speak. Right. And so, you know, here, here's going to tell example. me all
1: the ways I screwed up. You can tell me all the ways I screwed up.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I don't know if I would have tossed you or not, you know I mean? You might know. <laughs> have, you might have.
1: <laughs> you might have.
0: <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I'm thinking about like, you know, you know, like, you know, in our arena over the last, you know, bunch of years and everything. And I'm thinking of like students that have had tough lessons, whether it's tough physically or maybe they didn't have their best lesson and the, and the parent may have been watching and, and the parents are like, oh my gosh, are we doing the right thing and everything? And you know what? That's part of the process. Sure. Right. They're not going to feel physically well every single day. They're not going to hit the ball clean on certain targets perfectly every single day. And they're going to have ups and they're going to have downs. But I could see in the parents face that they're like getting upset and there's doubts and all this. And you know what it is? It's part of the process. Yeah. Right. You know, whether it's in practice or your child you know, you know, chokes a match or has the best match of their life or they get cheated or, you know, the conditions were tough or they didn't sleep well the night before all of these things. If you're talking about, you know, bringing up a high performance player, you're Mm going to experience all of these things. So the most important thing a parent can be is supportive and very stable for their child.
1: Love that. Love that. All right. Let's segue into part two, because this is where I'm like, super excited. (laughs) talk with you. Um, Man, all there's, right. there's been a lot of talk and I've posted a bunch of stuff on socials lately about world tennis number that USTA announced that world tennis number, which is the ITF's rating system that basically is their competitive piece for Um, UTR for universal tennis, Um, universal tennis and the ITF couldn't come to a business agreement. So ITF decided to develop their own rating system. It's called the World Tennis Number. It is now being utilized uh, in USTA events and USTA has been offering a bunch of webinars recently to help parents understand, understand what World Tennis Number is. So now, once again, there's this big focus on ratings and rankings, and there's confusion around it. And, you know, should I pay attention to my USTA ranking? Should I pay attention to my ITF ranking, my tennis recruiting star rating, my universal tennis rating, my world tennis number? How do I know what to focus on? And the message I keep sending out, and I know you and I are in agreement on this, but I want to hear from the coach's side, Todd, is... Don't worry about all these ratings and rankings. They are irrelevant if you are trying to become the best tennis player you can be, right? If you get bogged down and I don't want to play in this tournament because there aren't high enough rated players in it, and so my rating won't go up, or I don't want to play this other tournament because the kids are ranked way higher than me and I'm only going to win a match or two, and so it's not worth you know, me taking the risk because my ranking won't go up. As a result, I won't be able to earn enough ranking points. That's just not a smart way to approach junior tennis development.
0: Terrible. Absolutely detrimental and terrible to the development of your child.
1: Right? Why?
0: Why? Well, the question is, why does your child play tennis? Right? Right. Why? So as you were just speaking, this is what I'm thinking about is why does a particular child play tennis? Well, they, they play because it's fun and they really enjoy the game. But, you know, if they're in a high performance arena and they want to try to maybe, you know, go to a certain type of college or, like I said, maybe a pro tennis career, why do you play tennis? I play tennis because I, I want to see how good I can get at it. Not, right?
1: not because I want to see how high my ranking can be or my rating, there is a difference,
0: you know, because you know, it's interesting, you know, and, and many reviewers, you know, maybe they've contacted me or maybe, you know, some have come into my arena as a visitor, maybe even a full timer, right. Is they start telling me about UTR and all this stuff. And I just want to assess how to help that player get better, what they need to do on a daily basis to become a much better player and achieve their ultimate goal, which, you know, maybe, you know, like I said, you know, a certain type of Mm -hmm. college or, you know, a pro tennis career. So the number means absolutely nothing to me because in my mind as a coach, I'm thinking about, Hey, how are we going to fix this? How are we going to develop that? How is this player going to play when it really matters when they're 16 to 17 years old, how big and strong are they going to play? What kind of athleticism do they have? What type of mentality do they have? How do they handle pressure? You know, academically. Hey, how strong are they? So I understand what types of colleges we need to try to help this player. You know, mm-hmm. get to what? How? You know, all these things are going through my mind, and I can tell you that I'm not thinking of any damn number, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, because ultimately, if you're doing things properly, the the child's tennis career is going to be trending upwards. Right. Right, and that starts with your day in and day out tennis training. This is so important, right? Yeah. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story. During the pandemic, I took Ronnie Holman to train with Milos Raonic. I right? remember all that. Know who, yep. Right? Okay. And maybe you saw some of the videos or yep. whatever. And it was tremendous. Obviously a great experience. I've taken Ronnie to train, you know, I, it could be 120 practices with the absolute superstars of the world. So he got another tremendous, uh, you know, you know, offer to to train with him for some sessions and everything. And the only thing, this is very important. Listen up parents, right? He said every single day, get better at one thing. That's what high level players really do, whether they're amateurs or professionals, Mm -hmm. if they really want to see how far they can take their tennis every single day, they're trying to get better incrementally at something. It could be your forehand, your backhand, your serve and volley, slice backhand, you know, fitness, movement. He even said, even if you work on your recovery, so your body's in better shape, something has to get better that day. And that's when I go back to, you know, people look at my social media. It's the productivity of that child of what they're doing every single day. Mm -hmm. This is most important. I don't care about your UTR, what, you know, if you're an eight, but you practice really well with nines and tens, I don't care. (laughs) I don't, I don't, I don't base my practice matches in the afternoon on, Ooh, we can put these two eights together. That's pretty even, or this one's an eight and a six. So we got to stay away from that. That's not good. No, (laughs) no, it doesn't exist. You always have something to work on. I've never had a player come into my environment where I'm like, Wow, we don't have anything to develop. They're just so good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not even Sunu Kwan, who's 70 in the world, doesn't right. exist. Right. So that's how I look at things. So when, when parents start talking to me about UTR numbers, it doesn't mean anything to me because I'm just thinking of how I can help this player become better. Right. That then it takes care of itself.
1: So so the playing devil's advocate you know, I say the same thing. I say it a little bit differently. And my, my mantra is every day that you work on your tennis, try to get 1% better. So we're saying, Excellent. you know, basically yeah. the same thing, right?
0: Hopefully more percent better than that, but yeah, at least
1: but, that, but 1% yeah. every time, I mean, that adds up pretty quickly. Yeah. So, yeah. um, but then the, the kind of counter to that is, well, but if my kid's not a certain ranking, they won't get into this tournament or they won't, college coaches won't look at my child if they're not a certain UTR. And there is some truth in that. And these numbers are metrics. They are one metric that tournaments use, that coaches use, but they don't tell the whole story, not by any stretch.
0: Well, but, but hold on why is your son or daughter that ranking or rating? That's the question we need to be trying to answer. Yeah. Okay. I mean, unfortunately, maybe, maybe they got injured or, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, but why, why, you know, if, if they haven't been injured, then the question is why that's mm-hmm. what you need to find out. Why aren't they, you know, improving? Why, you know, what is it? Is it the workouts? Is it the lessons? Is it the coaching? Is it they? Get nervous in tournaments. What, 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 why? Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Great point. And as an adjunct to that is, you know, if their ranking or rating isn't at a level to get them the opportunity, then A, they don't deserve the opportunity because they're not ready for it. So it's fair that they're not getting the opportunity. But B, What do they need to be doing from this point forward in order to earn the opportunity the next time it comes available? And that's what you're saying. Like, why is their rating so low? Why is the ranking so low? What's happening in practices, in tournaments that is holding them back from reaching that next step or reaching that next level as a player, whether it's mental, physical, whether it's technical, tactical, fitness related, nutrition related, sleep related. I mean, there's so many factors that go into having success at a high level in our sport that when you stay focused on the rating or ranking, as opposed to really digging deep into what needs to change in order to help this player get to that next level, you're doing everybody a disservice.
0: Well, yes. Here here's what I'm going to tell everyone. So, you know, hopefully they're, they're listening very closely. I developed a term some years ago, right? That is basically, it's, it's called the non growth mentality. Yeah. That's what I just started calling it. Being infatuated with rankings and ratings and not being infatuated with how your son or daughter is going to improve and get to higher levels yeah. Is gonna just put put their development to a screeching halt, screeching halt. And you have a lot of smart parents. They're so smart, right? They're so smart in the, in their in their business world, in their everyday life, and the numbers and that this. And they're trying to figure it out, and they're trying to beat the system. But I'm telling you how it really is. Yeah, is that become obsessed with getting better? I've been around you know, so fortunate, right? I've been around the best professionals and some of the best coaches in the world since I was six years old. And that was the only thing that was focused on at any level a beginner to the best in the world. That's what they're obsessed with is how they're going to get better. And like you said, it could be the mental part, the tactical, the physical, you know, so many different factors, but they're going to figure out how They're going to help that player get to the next level.
1: And if you do that, the ratings and rankings take care of themselves. Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of talk about pulling out of back draws because kids don't want to play for minimum ranking points. It's not worth it to them. Or they don't want to risk losing to a lower UTR player because it might hurt their UTR. And my response to that is... If you're not pitting yourself against players that are at a level below you and being forced to play with the pressure of being expected to win, how are you going to compete in the next level of the game? How are you going to compete in your life, right? When you're faced with obstacles, when you're expected to to be to come out on top. How are you going to learn cool. how to compete in those settings?
0: Well, he, yeah, here's here's another thing, you know, as it's, you know, as you're speaking, it's going through my mind is that if you have weak coaches and parents that are scared, what do you think that child or student is going to be? Right? It's the society. Right? So we go back to the old school versus the new school, you know, tennis coaching,
1: yeah. right?
0: If a parent shows weakness, or a coach shows weakness, or anyone is scared, that is not helping that student or child be confident in their ability. The society then is weak. You're protecting that person and you're scared. And anyone that is scared entering a tennis tournament or a backdraw match or whatever, you better believe that it is not gonna go well. Yeah. Well, you're a, you are not.
1: You're, you're an not immediate showing disadvantage.
0: confidence. Yeah, yeah. You're not showing confidence in that young young man or young woman that I believe that you have been trained so well and you deserve to do very well, right? In tournaments, yeah. So there's there's no dodging that, right? And right. And, and so that hurts the student or the child, right? Right. You and need it, to go in and say, I believe that you are damn good. And you've put the work in and you deserve to have great results. And if Mm -hmm. you don't, we're going to figure out a solution as to why you're not. And we're going to get back to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's funny. What do you, you called it the non-growth. What did you call it?
0: I call it the non-growth mentality.
1: Non-growth mentality, which, you know, those of you who have read Dweck's book, of, you know, fixed mindset versus growth mindset. So, okay. so it, that would be comparable to a fixed mindset. It's where you're only focusing on results. You're not focusing on development. You're not focusing on getting better every day. You're only obsessing over these numbers. And it's just not, First of all, it's a really stressful way to approach this sport because there's yeah. always going to be kid that kid that's ranked higher, that's rated higher, right? There's always going to be somebody better than you. And so how do you compete if you're only focused on the fact that their numbers higher than your number and therefore you don't have a chance to beat that player on that day? I just I, to me that's such a sad way to go through life. Like if you enter a tennis tournament, you should go into it believing that on any given day you have the chance—not just the chance, but the opportunity—to beat any player that's in that tournament with you. There's right. So I mean, many factors that going that go into winning a tennis match.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's the the mentality, right? Where, where's the mentality? Where's the strong mentality that? Hey, I'm going out there to fight hard, whether I win or lose, right? I may win, I may lose. And, and then we're going to move on and, and get better after this tournament. We're going to continue to train well and train hard and get better, regardless of the result. Mm-hmm. Where's, the, where's the mentality? Right? Why, why, why are we so scared? Right. I mean, what? You're not going to love your child if they don't get to a 10 UTR. They're a disaster. They're a failure. You know, if they don't get to a 12 UTR and get to a certain type of school. I mean, come on. Right. Right. I mean,
1: well, and the interesting thing about UTR universal tennis is it was developed not to be used as a tool to strive to reach a certain level. It was developed simply as a snapshot of today, this player is this number because of what we've seen recently in the way they've been playing. And so in order for that player to have a a good competitive match, they should play somebody that's also a similar rating. And if those two similarly rated players go out together, they're going to have a really fun competitive match. That's, that was the reason that Universal Tennis started in the first place. Now it's kind of morphed, not by the company per se, but by the coaches, the players, and the parents. It's morphed into this thing that's, you know, become kind of the, the end all be all. You know, I, I have to get to this number rather than I have to get to this level of play. And if we would focus on getting to a certain level of play, not a certain rating or ranking, I think everybody would be a lot happier.
0: The stress on the kids today, you know, the second they look, you know, and maybe this is this is good information for parents as well, is that the second they go and look at the draw and they see that kid's UTR, they're already panicking and freaking out. Oh my gosh, I'm a 9.2. I'm playing at 8.5. And the 8.5 just beat this one. And I know that one's good. And this is going to be a really tough match. And they're already panicking. They haven't even hit the first ball in the warm-up for the tournament yet. Yeah. Wrong. Wrong. Yeah. Well, Wrong. same,
1: same with looking at seedings, right? You, you see you're against the one seed in a tournament and you you're defeated before you even walk on court half the time. So that's a,
0: that's a very good analogy as well. It's, it's, you know, it's not healthy at all. Yeah. It's not you, the, when you go to compete, you have a game plan and you try to execute that game plan to the best of your ability. On and that maybe, day, on that correct. day. Right. On that day, yeah. if you're really good, you may have you know multiple game plans on that day if one isn't working. And then if you're even probably more advanced, you have different game plans that you implement against different against different types of players to get through a tennis tournament. So you know how to break down different types of tennis players. Mm-hmm. So that is what you need to be focused on. And if you play your game plan well, you'll have a very good performance. You may win, you may lose, that's sports, not a problem at all, but you come off the court proud of how you performed. That is most important. And then whatever you did well is fantastic. Whatever you didn't do well, you go right back to training and you get better.
1: Right, and I I refer to your analogy a lot, Todd, of that the practices are like the classroom and the tournaments are the exams. And so just like in school, you're not given a test every single day on a in a certain class like you don't have a math test every single day you have a test You see what you know and what you don't know. And then you go back to class and you are taught the next thing. Or you go back and review the things you didn't know and you learn them. Same with tennis. You go to the tournament. That's your test. What did I do well? What did I not do well? Not how many matches did I win? Not did I beat somebody Two UTR points ahead of me. Not did I take out the one seed, but what did I do well and not do well? Now let me go back to the practice court and work on some stuff.
0: Well, right. And it also depends, you know, you know, as you know, do you have a long-term thinking process or you're very short-sighted and very short term? Right? right? We need results now, 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 now. The pressure is on, you know, or. You have the long-term develop development right in your mind. And you're going step by step by step, knowing that, hey, this is a certain amount of years to develop a real solid tennis player. Right.
1: Now, that said, if we're talking about a kid who's in their second semester junior year of high school, maybe we're taking a, a little different approach, right? At that point. The numbers wow. do matter. The results do matter if they're trying to play college tennis because coaches are looking to see who they're playing, how they're doing against certain players and whatever. And it's not even, I mean, let me debunk one thing is the college coaches aren't looking at wins and losses. They're looking at are you competitive against a wide variety of players? Are you able to go out there and fight in matches even if you're playing somebody eons ahead of you in their development, are you still able to go out there and stay competitive from first point to last point? Of course, there are coaches out there that are results oriented. I get it. But you know, are those the coaches you really want your child going to play for in college? I don't know.
0: Right. Well, they're running a business and they need they need their teams to win. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, that that's 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 a diff that's a different story. But you know, this whole thing you know, and, and going back to whether you have, say, you know, a junior in high school opposed to say a 10, 12 or 14 year old student, you know, you know, my business started with taking that junior in high school and cleaning things up, you know, really quickly to send them, you know, off to, you know, a great school. But you know, the thing is, is that you assess how long you may have with that student. Right. So as we call it, this is a crash course for this student or hey we have 5 years yeah right if this works out well we have 5 years to really develop this player so as a coach you know if you're on that say crash course with this older student that doesn't have a lot of time before they go to college you better know what needs to be cleaned up sure. what you don't touch how you need how that player needs to be playing and they better develop some certain things in a timely fashion yeah. and and get and get
1: it done Get it done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Todd, yeah. we're coming to the end of our time. So I want to just start wrapping up here, but I'm so glad we sure. had this conversation because I, again, I think it was a, a good one. It's a conversation yeah. I'm having constantly on social media right now, especially as World Tennis Number continues to launch in the States. But World Tennis Number has been around in other countries. Certainly Universal Tennis, UTR, has been around for several years now. And every everywhere around the world has a rating and ranking system that they utilize, the the challenge is to put less emphasis on the ratings and rankings, to put less focus on the ratings and rankings, and more focus on just getting better every day. Whether it's Todd's approach of, you know, can I get better at one thing today Or the way I word it, you know, 1% better every time you work on your tennis. It's the same message, right? It's about improvement, daily improvement, consistent daily improvement, making that commitment to put the work in, um, to stay committed, to stay passionate, and really keep your eye on the ball of, I'm looking to be the best player I can be.
0: Right. Why is your child playing tennis? Hopefully it is to become the best I can be. As a parent, you find someone that you 100% trust to help mentor and guide your child. And then they go on the process of trying to get better every single day with amazing workouts, very productive training, and then things should go very well.
1: Love it. Well, Todd, we'll end on that note because that's a good positive note. And I wanted to yep. say thanks again for coming on. If people want to reach out to you, give us your social media and all that.
0: Sure. So my social media, which many of you do uh, do see and are following, which is great. So it's Todd Whidham underscore tennis. And if you want to you know, shoot me an email, my email is Todd, T-O-D-D, at T W tennis.com. Very simple.
1: Yeah. And we'll have links to all that in the show notes on parentingaces.com. But if you're not following Todd on Facebook and Instagram, he's, he's less on Twitter, but, but pretty active on Facebook and Instagram, make sure you follow him there. Cause he posts some great videos, some great quotes, um, has some great conversations that he shares and uh, I think we all have lots to learn from him. So Todd, again, thanks for coming on the show. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. We always have good conversations and to my listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We will catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast for tennis parents by a tennis If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at parentingaces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.